You're listening to an all-new episode of Off the Rails with Sloppy Yellow. Views and opinions expressed here reflect hardcore fan perspectives and sometimes might be factual. Be advised, this podcast may contain adult language. What's going on, ladies and gents? This is your boy, your backup, 88 Jackman, Jimmy Wags, coming at you live from Baltimore, Maryland, with a special race recap from yesterday's Real Heroes 400. Now, yesterday was the first time we actually got real live race cars on a racetrack, and it did not disappoint. I had goosebumps going into the race yesterday to hear those cars in the pack go around that track on the first lap. just gave me goosebumps, and I'm sure a lot of us just couldn't be more excited to have some sense of normalcy, obviously with the COVID-19 situation going on over the course of the last several months. It's just, uh, it was a I can't describe how great of a feeling it was to finally get to hear and watch real race cars uh, on the track. Um, I would be remiss to say if I didn't give a special shout-out to everyone at NASCAR. Uh, Awesome, awesome job, and thank you guys for putting on the show for us fans to watch. And I can't really describe the feeling that I had yesterday. Uh, Just to me, it felt like it was a sense of normalcy. So thank you. Thank you from everybody at NASCAR from the top down, Mr. Steve Phelps, Mr. Steve O'Donnell, everybody at NASCAR, all the drivers, all the teams, team owners, everybody back at the shop, production people putting on the broadcast at Fox NASCAR. Thank you guys so much for all that you did for us fans yesterday. And I can't, I'm looking forward to Wednesday, uh, Wednesday's race. So we'll jump right into it. Stage one, started off with a bang. Uh, didn't even make it out of the first lap, and lo and behold, he does it again, ladies and gentlemen. Recky Stenhouse takes himself out on lap one, coming off a of turn two. He tried to take a three wide below Corey LaJoy, makes contact with Corey LaJoy and pounds the inside wall coming off a of turn two. You got to feel really bad about the JTG Doherty team. As much work I'm sure all these teams have put in, up until this point, to get these cars ready to roll out on the track. And not to not even make it a lap, it's got to be gut-wrenching. So, Ricky came on after uh, getting cleared from the infield care center and apologized to his team. And that's something he really hadn't seen much out of Ricky Stenhouse up until late. So, hopefully he's uh, turned the corner there. An article I read way back saying that he's probably one of the most aggressive drivers in NASCAR, and, and hence why he crashes so much. And he, the mentality he had to have, and I'm sure all the drivers had, was let's take it easy those first couple turns. And Ricky Stenhouse just decided to go full board, coming off a of turn two and wrecks himself. And hopefully they'll come back Wednesday and, and have a solid finish. We'll jump right into next part of the race. Rab Kozlowski jumps out and, and leads the first 44 laps of the race. Um, then Hedrick Motorsports decides to continue to show their dominance um, as they have over the course of the first four weeks of the season. Alex Bowman takes the lead on lap 45 and then leads the, the next 36 laps. Just a little bit on Alex Bowman. Alex Bowman has been badass fast for the first part of the season. Obviously, he's won at Auto Club Speedway in Fontana earlier this year and had a great run at Las Vegas. So Hendrick Motorsports seems to be on the rebound. And after Alex Bowman took the lead, Hendrick Motorsports held the top three spots 
uh, during stage one for quite a bit of time. You had Jimmy Johnson in second. William Byron came up in third. And eventually Jimmy Johnson takes the lead with about nine laps to go in stage one. And we're like, oh, man, seven times back. He's obviously had a great start to the season. And he's a sentimental favorite, obviously, because he announced his retirement at the beginning of the year and trying to go after that eighth championship. And he's been on a long winning streak over the last year and a half, almost two years. I think a lot of us feel like we respect what Jimmy Johnson has done over the course of his career, and we want to see him go out on top. And we thought it was going to happen yesterday. He took the lead from Alex Bowman. He looked badass fast. And lo and behold, final lap of stage one, coming off of turn two, Chris Buescher gets a little loose. Jimmy Johnson is anticipated, runs into Chris Buescher, takes himself out and hits the inside wall on the back straightaway. And in his day, Jimmy Johnson winds up finishing 37th on the day. It was a depressing feeling seeing Jimmy sitting there. Uh, he was more frustrated in himself when they panned to the in-car cam. And I would be too. I, I'll be honest, if I was in that situation, I probably wouldn't have pressed the issue as much trying to lap Busher. You had some space behind you. And to the next car, and he, he took himself out. So I think they'll come back, obviously, on Wednesday with a, another strong race car, and Jimmy Johnson definitely be a contender for Wednesday night. So with Jimmy Johnson crashing out, um, the young gun, William Byron, takes the win in stage one. Jimmy ha- Vinny Hamlin finished the second, Alex Bowman third, Kevin Hart fourth, and Brad Kozlowski fifth. That's your top five. Stage two starts off, and Andrew Motorsports has trouble again. Um, William Byron on lap 111 comes over. Uh, the radio says you think you might have a loose wheel, goes down in turn three, and crashes into the wall, pretty much ending his chances at winning the race after a strong showing in, in the start of the race during stage one. And loose wheels seem to be the story of the day. Obviously, the crews were a little rusty. And there were several instances where drivers might have thought they had loose wheels throughout the race. And I'm sure that will dissipate a little bit, you know, as we get back more to a regular routine of races. So um, on lap 156, um, Blue Emu rears his ugly head again with the caution. A couple laps prior to that, Clint Boyer runs over some debris and gets it stuck on his front grill. And we're all like, man, where did, where did that come from? Fox pans over into turns three and four, and lo and behold, the blue emu vinyl sticker that was on the wall, somebody pounded the wall and, and peeled the sticker up, and a little bit of that uh, sticker wound up falling onto the racetrack and getting to Clint Boyd's front grill. He was able to, to draft up behind somebody, and then that piece of sticker wound up hitting on Tyler Reddick's grill. And NASCAR wind up calling a caution. So uh, Blue Emu screws another NASCAR driver, but in real life this time, not in the virtual world. Um, not really much after that. Keselowski wins stage two. Alex Bowman finishes second. Martin Truex Jr., who had a rough, rough stage one, uh, came on strong there in stage two, finished third. Kevin Harvick was fourth. And Clint Boyer wind up finishing fifth in stage two. Bored at home with nothing to do? Have kids that need some exercise or are missing their dance classes? Well, we've got you covered. 
starting Monday, April 6th. Tune into You Matter's Instagram and YouTube pages to take part in dance classes being offered by our Diamond Dancer instructors, Hallie and Alex. Check out our Facebook for more info, and registration is free. Stage three starts, and Kevin Harvick jumps out uh, to a lead, and uh, over the course of stage three, Kevin Harvick had to survive a couple restarts, and the final restart in stage three had Alex Bowman pinned on the inside, and Alex Bowman gave a valiant effort, effort, effort trying to get around Kevin Harvick, but just wasn't able to do it. Harvick winds up leading the final 78 laps of the race and goes on to win the Real Heroes 400. Uh, he wound up doing a little burnout down at the end of the front straightaway and came back to the soft finish line and and it got interviewed by Regan Smith and even admitted it was just weird not having people there uh, to hear cheer and boo and everything else at the end of the race. But he thanked the fans for watching and and wish that we all could be there, and we wish we could be there as well. Uh, but Harvick dominated at the end, and I think he wound up leading about 129 laps of the race. I led the most laps in the race, and uh, that four teams definitely going to be strong throughout the season. A couple key notes from the race yesterday. I got a lot of eyes, obviously, were on uh, Matt Kenseth and Ryan Newman. Uh, Ryan Newman, who had the uh, horrific crash in Daytona, our brother Rob Lowe is a, a tire specialist for Ryan Newman. And Ryan Newman really had a great run throughout the day, uh, mostly in the top 15. Uh, got up there in the top 10 for a little bit throughout the day. Uh, didn't show any ill effects from his accident. And in several instances throughout the race, he seemed like the old Newman himself being one of the hardest guys to pass out on the track. So, Definitely happy to see Ryan Newman healthy and back out on the racetrack. Newman wound up finishing in 15th. And the old KG veteran, Matt Kenseth, in his first race back in over a year and a half. Now, a year and a half out of a race car uh, is a very long time. And the package has changed uh, from the last time Matt Kenseth was in the car to now. And for Matt Kenseth to jump into a race car, cold turkey with no practice and to finish in the top 10 to finish 10th um, is no short of a remarkable feat. It goes to show the strength of that 42 team over at Chip Ganassi Racing. Um, obviously you know there was something that they couldn't control with the situation with Kyle Larson and I'm sure they just wanted to come out the box and show hey you know what we got a badass race team we got badass fast race cars over at Chip Ganassi Racing and they showed it. Uh, obviously, Kurt Busch finished in third place. Uh, Kurt's run really well at Darlington over the last couple of years. And Matt Kenseth to just not have any type of practice, any type of camaraderie with the team at all, with his crew chief, and for them to to just jump in and get a top ten right off the bat goes to show you the caliber of driver that Matt Kenseth is. And glad to have him back. And they're going to continue to get stronger as they get more races under their belt throughout the season. Um, I was a little skeptical about Matt Kenseth winning a race, but after seeing him race at one of NASCAR's hardest tracks yesterday without any type of practice whatsoever, uh, any type of experience with the crew, with his crew chief, any of that to, to finish top 10, Matt Kenseth is going to win some races in that 42 car. So, um, final thing I'm going to leave with you guys, 
a couple rookies finished in the top ten of the race yesterday. We had um, Tyler Reddick finish seventh. John Hunter Nemechek finished in ninth. Um, some great runs by both of those guys. Cole Custer had a great stage one as well. Um, didn't have to finish the show for it, but Tyler Reddick. Um, Tyler Reddick is, is going to be one of the, the hottest guys uh, as we continue to go throughout this this year um, to definitely contend for a win. I think a lot of us have a sentiment that Tyler Reddick is a better driver than his counterpart over at Richard Children's Racing, and it's definitely shown it over the course of the first few races of this year. And in my honest opinion, I believe Tyler Reddick is going to win a race this year. Um, and I don't think Austin Dillon wins a race this year. It just goes to show you the caliper driver that Tyler Reddick is. Tyler Reddick's not scared to get up against the wall and, and look for that extra little bit of grip. Obviously, we've seen what he's done at Homestead, running the high line up against the wall. And he's a two-time Xfinity champion. And he's a real deal. So Tyler Reddick is here. He's stating his claim early in the season, and I'm looking forward to see what he does throughout the rest of the year. John Hunter Nemechek finished nice with front row motorsport. Now, we know front row is a small team um, in the sense that they don't have big corporate sponsors that are pouring in millions of dollars. And to keep his nose clean, his fingers clean throughout the race, and I think over the course of the last couple of weeks, a lot of us, Junior Nation, haven't been happy with John Nebatek's racing on high racing, but in a real race car, the kid got it done yesterday. And to not race in a cup car ever at Darlington in your first cup race at Darlington to finish inside the top ten has to feel like a win for John Hunter Nebatek. So all in all, uh, yesterday was a great day. Just got to sit back, kick back, watch the race, talk some trash with some friends, and we're looking forward to Wednesday night um, for race two at Darlington. After Darlington, we have uh, the Coke 600 next Sunday and then another uh, another race at Charlotte next Wednesday. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's race recap. And this is your boy, Jimmy Wags. I'm dropping the hammer. Catch you guys next time. Thank you, Jimmy Wags, for that race report. Appreciate it very much. On the line, I have Mark Scott, our um, sports business professional friend of ours, longtime um, friend, longtime supporter of the show, been on the on the show many, many times. Uh, that, that's a blessing. I want to talk to you about a bevy of prod, uh, subjects here. We'll talk straight with Darlington coming back. Everybody in the country and, and many people across the globe were watching to see how the competitors did, how the garage was. We had all the major sports uh, leagues that were taking great notes and communicating with NASCAR just the, the effectiveness of how they're doing it and those sorts of things. NASCAR is unique because the competitors aren't necessarily face-to-face with each other, although the teams have to get pretty close proximity. But the TV ratings are out. Adam Stern reported on Monday that Darlington had a 3.7 share and 6.323 million, 6.3 million people watched. Now, Mark, that is the Daytona 500, which is obviously the biggest race of the year, has had 7 million people watching it. This is the next biggest race that we've had this year was Vegas was 5.5 million. California was 4.78 million. The only race that has beat this other than a Daytona 500, 
was an Atlanta race back in 2017. I can't remember what the hell was going on in Atlanta in 2017 that that many people watched it. But biggest race that NASCAR has seen, non-Daytona 500 in years. Um, certainly one of the biggest races we've, we've had. Are you surprised that the numbers are as high as they are? Do you think they are too low? Do you think, what do those numbers tell you about um, the state of NASCAR and the TV ratings, Mark? Well, uh, I'm actually uh, uh, I'm pleasantly surprised with the numbers. I, I think they were right about where I thought they would be. They would, you know, the, they were just a bump lower than what the the first 20 or so laps of, of Daytona were. Um, I'm kind of surprised they weren't a bit higher, just because there wasn't a lot of other competition on. But I think it just shows that people are dying for not only NASCAR, but for live sports in general. Um, I think it shows what was really nice to see is if, I don't know if you have the ratings there, Dan, if you see across the board, uh, first uh, first hour to second hour to third hour, the ratings stayed consistent. Yeah. And that, I thought, was the most important thing, was that the ratings stayed consistent. It kept an audience. People are excited that racing is back. Um, the the ratings for the only thing that it went up against was the uh, the golf match that went mm-hmm. on between the four guys, which you know me, I'm a huge golf fan, sure. but I, I became quickly bored with that because a skins match between four guys playing in shorts, carrying bags, heck, that could have been you <laughs> and me yeah. and Bro Bro and Billy yeah. Bradley out playing on, on our local muni and, and put mics on it and people would have yeah. watched it because it was competition, but I was, um, NASCAR is positioned itself. And I know we talked about it several weeks ago. They kept everybody invested with this eye racing. And uh, I know Rob thought it was a a flash in the pan and Billy Bradley thought it was a flash in the pan, but that kept folks invested. NASCAR, as you and I have talked about the past two years, has continued to position itself in such a really good way that, the, the the ratings I was not surprised about at all. Between a thirst for sport and a thirst for um, uh, our sport, that mm-hmm. that it was exactly what I thought it would be. Well, astute uh, observation because when I first saw the ratings, Mark, I was I thought it might push a little bit closer to a Daytona 500 number, but. I absolutely did not expect the the numbers to stay the same as they did throughout the entire broadcast. Typically on a NASCAR race, even NASCAR fans turn the race off uh, occasionally or don't watch the entire thing or maybe go cut the backyard for 30 minutes or something during a four-hour race. But you hit the nail right on the head when you said that the ratings were solid through stage one, stage two, first 30 laps through the rest of the race, the people who tuned in watched the race. And I think that is more important than the the actual number of the 6.323 million. We can get caught up on the actual people and that sort of thing. Fact of the matter is that most of those people sat down and watched the entire broadcast. And you're absolutely right. iRacing was a brilliant move with NASCAR to get some type of involvement. What it did is it kept people engaged in, and their stars and, and that sort of thing. You look at the NBA, you look at the MLB, those guys didn't have anything. They're, you know, the, the stars are tweeting and that sort of thing, maybe playing each other in a, a game of Madden or something like that. But there was actual NASCAR stars, up-and-comers, all in a televised event that was competition. Yes, 
It got a little hokey. Yes, it lost its luster, but what it did is it kept everybody engaged. And I'll tell you how engaged it kept everybody, Mark. There was six markets across the United States, um, measurable markets, that more than doubled their typical NASCAR um, rating percentage. Uh, L.A., Los Angeles, for Christ's sakes, had 150% more people watch it than they normally do. San Francisco, 130%. Chicago, 127%. And Chicago's losing a race um, and was in the news last week because NASCAR is going to sell a parcel of that property out there. I mean, a smart move on NASCAR. But Philadelphia saw a 112% increase. Milwaukee saw a 100% increase. Providence, Rhode Island saw a 100% increase. And I think what this, this tells me, Mark, that the – the person that would usually not watch a NASCAR race did exactly what you said, sat down, had a, had a golf match with four guys in shorts carrying their bags, or they could watch some actual competition for the first time in, in months. And I think, by and large, those people sat down and watched it, and I think it was a good move for NASCAR, and I think it's, I think it's a great move for them the way they're doing these next weeks, getting as many races in as they can, because I think everybody is still going to stay interested. I, I would expect Wednesday's rating to be pretty high on a Wednesday evening. Uh, a lot of the country hasn't gone back to work, but Mark, I, I got to assume that NASCAR is going to be pretty damn big. I don't, I don't. Do you think there's going to be a decline here over the next, you know, through the rest of May? No, I don't. I, I think you'll you'll see just because it's a weeknight, you're going to see a bit of a decline because. People are starting to go back to work. We are starting to get to return to normalcy. But I think what's going, what you're going to see is you're going to continue to see these little bumps in these markets that you mentioned that are not normal NASCAR markets because and this is what's fantastic. NASCAR came back before anybody else. Mm-hmm. They are getting eyes on their sport because it's the only sport there is at the moment with yeah. competition. And – if they can keep 20% of these new eyes, well, yeah. think how many millions of people that is. Huge. They are going to – and what's going to be even more interesting is I love that they're packing these 11 races in, bam, right off the bat. That's going to get people – they're going to say, oh, wait, there's another one on? Well, heck, yeah. let's watch it. Oh, wait, there's another one on? And that is going to keep more eyes on the sport. It's going to continue to feed the ratings, which is, as we know, that's the beast that needs to be fed. That's going. I think that it's going to be a drop off during the week, but when we get back to the weekend, when there's nothing else on, till the PGA Tour gets back. And this is what I think has been really interesting, Dan, is seeing that the PGA Tour and NASCAR have been almost working hand in hand. Yeah going through all of this and and you and i talked about this off the air and, and on the podcast uh and i know we talked about it with rob that here are two sports they're outdoor sports they can practice the social distancing but watching them work together has been spectacular yeah and, and I, I think you're going to see that it's going to pay off for both sports to to increase their their audience even more I, I absolutely would agree. It's it's not, you know, it's three months, five months ago, if, if we would have found out that NASCAR and the PGA were working close together to see how they could run their events, <laughs> I would be like, what what the hell are you talking about? I, I don't I don't understand that whatsoever. But the fact of the matter is that in this time of social distancing, our communication is actually, I mean, we've had smartphones and the internet and all this stuff for years and years and years. 
it, the old joke is, you know, we got a smartphone and, and everybody's dumb as hell. Well, now we're using every piece of communication that we have so that we can get smarter, so we can do this as safely as possible. And I'll, I'll say this, when you said, you know, about being able to hit these, these races, boom, 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 the fact of the matter is uh, there are going to be a new wave of Kevin Harvick fans that come in because they want to pick a winner. They don't want to pick a guy that's going to finish 25th every week. They're going to want to pick a winner. Kevin Harvick comes out. He, he wins the race. He, he spanks in the last quarter, so he, he pulls away as a dominating. Uh, a fantastic race, in my opinion. Um, set that aside. Kevin Harvick just got a bunch of new fans now. People who don't watch NASCAR know who Kevin Harvick is. They now know who Alex Bowman is. They now know who Denny Hamlin is. They know who the top five guys were because that's what they do. They, they, they don't know much about NASCAR. Hey, who, who should I root for? Give me somebody good. Well, now they've watched the race. They've seen Kevin Harvick win. They've seen who's finished in the top five. So now that gives them a little familiarity. So when we come back and we go to Charlotte and we go right now they're going to say, well, where did Kevin Harvick finish? He's the number four. I like that guy. And I think what it does is having these many races in a row – I think more people are going to be in tune because they're not going to have to wait so long to find out what happened. And as a Kevin Harvick fan, I would imagine you would welcome anybody to sit up there beside you on that bandwagon and beat the drum. (laughs) Well, it was needless to say, anyone that listens to this podcast with any regularity knows I was giddy as can be uh, to to see Kevin win. I'll say this as a NASCAR fan, I thought it was great to see – the top ten. You look through the top ten. Mm-hmm. There were rookie drivers. There were veteran drivers. There were big names. There were names that might not, you know, be known. Um, that for NASCAR is huge. Now, as a Kevin Harvick fan, of course, I loved it. I love seeing Kevin come back and win. I saw your tweet. I don't know if it was today or yesterday. These next eleven races races are going to benefit teams like Stuart Haas Racing. Benefit young drivers that don't know any better, and they're just going to drive the wheels off. Yeah. But for the sport, you, the best thing that was that could have happened was would be a guy like Kevin winning that first race back when they had a huge new audience, or Jimmy Johnson. It was terrible what happened, Jimmy. I root against Jimmy, but it, it would have been great to see him win for the sport. Sure. Um, the, those kind of big names being at the top. I think that kept people tuned in Um, and that kept those new fans tuned in because people know, wait a minute, this guy's running for his 50th win overall. Well, heck that's worth watching alone. Uh, This guy is uh, the the 88 car. Wait a minute. I I know. Wasn't that Dale Jr.'s car? Who's this Alex Bowman guy? There were, there was a lot of, it was a great race. I know Jeff Glock always does this. Was Darlington a good race? Mm -hmm. It was a good race besides the fact it was the first race back. There was a lot going on there. And that, that yesterday gave NASCAR, I mean, they couldn't have dialed it up better for keeping, uh, for getting the, the regular fans like you and I back, but for bringing those new eyes in, oh, they're, they're set. And, and you know what? There's going to be a lot of people that are going to say, you know what? Wednesday night, what am I going to watch? Uh, a rerun of Blue Bloods or or NCIS? <laughs> well, no, I'm going to watch this live NASCAR race. And, hey, there's that guy Harvick running up front again. It's yeah. going to be exciting, and it's going to it's going to do great things moving forward. I think the something that and you you mentioned this, I I hadn't really even thought about it from that perspective, but 
at the end of the race, every position was a good storyline. Chase Elliott finished up there. He, he did not do well the entire race. Um, and obviously, it, he's a big name in NASCAR. And to see him finish up there was good. Eric Jones goes up there. Um, you know, JGR struggles. Everybody knows the M&M star did not finish, had trouble. Uh, you've got Tyler Reddick. you got John Hunter Nemechek up there. you got Matt Kenseth. Every position, one through ten, is, is a good story. But you think and, about and not to and not to interrupt you, Dan, but if you're a casual sports fan, you just see the name Elliot Bush. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. Kurt, but it wasn't Kyle. Yeah. But you just see those names that you're like, well, hell, I know. It, 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 I may yeah. not know Chase Elliott, but I know Bill Elliott. I wonder if yeah. that. So yeah, it was. That was a those when you know you and I just see it. It's just like, oh, that's just the dashboard on the corner. But for a casual fan, you recognize those last names. You recognize those last names, and and now they have, they're watching the broadcast to have a little bit of quick history about it. It's almost like it's a brand new season. Yet lap one, our good buddy Ricky Stenhouse Jr. wreck. <laughs> so everybody's like, I hope we get to see a wreck. Well, thank goodness, lap one we see a wreck. Um, you know, I, we hate to see it because he's a uh, he's a certain Hall of Famer, one of the best to get, ever get behind the wheel. Jimmy Johnson has a wreck. William Byron running for position, cuts a tire, has a wreck. You've got all these different things that happen. It was a from a as a as a normal fan, I agree with you, Mark. I, I it was a good race. It had everything a a a true NASCAR fan wants to see. Um, there's you know competition. You're able to pass. Uh, re, lots of restarts. There was you know strategy going on in there. There was newcomers up front and. And for new people there could follow it as well. And I know our good friend Rochelle Boykin, who didn't know anything about NASCAR until uh, Daytona was rain delayed in the wee hours of the morning. She lives in California in 2014, saw Dale Jr. win. She became a Dale Jr. fan. I promise you there are throngs of Kevin Harvick, new Kevin Harvick fans out there. It's going to be great for the sport. And by the way, I'm not a fan of Kevin Harvick, but he's absolutely a legend of the sport. Um, I tweeted congratulations and all that stuff yesterday, but 50 wins and the way he got them. And, and, and let's talk about that. If if they even start, these new fans that pick up Kevin Harvick, if they even start to grasp the historical relevance that Kevin Harvick has in this sport, because everybody knows who Dale Earnhardt was, the intimidator, and then realize and they figure out that he got in that ride and now he's a champion and now he has 50 wins and he's towards the tail end of his career. I'm telling you, and we could have picked anybody in the top ten with that win, and you would have had a great storyline. But what a great thing for Kevin Harvick and his team. I'm glad they bounced back and they didn't lose this one from a bad pit stop. But just the race was good from a true NASCAR standpoint. As you pointed out, it's great for a new fan. And I think there's there's no way to go up, uh, no way to go except for up from here. And I, I, I understand today, I've been working today, um, I know you're furloughed, right? Until August, Mark, is that right? Yeah, I am. And, uh, you know, I, it, it's just the, the way my job is, you know, if fans aren't going out to sporting events, um, Hey, it was beautiful to see uh, NASCAR on the track and things were going back, but there are no fans. So if you yeah. can't sell tickets and you can't sell packages, yeah. um, you know, we're a small company, Dan, and it mm-hmm. just fiscally, it made sense for us to just kind of, uh, let everybody sit back and uh, and and let let our owners 
do uh, what they needed to do. Um, there are a heck of a lot of people in the world worse off than me that don't have jobs to look forward to go back to, so I'm not worried about that. But, yeah, yeah it is. I'm furloughed till August, but I, what I like to see is that, you know, we're turning the corner, not just in sports, but uh, – uh, the every industry in this country we're 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 turning a corner and that's um that's that's the important thing the market was up almost a thousand points today and mm-hmm. that's huge we're seeing we're back up uh, into that 24,000 25,000 range where we were before the pandemic hit mm-hmm. um the that's that's the kind of thing that to me lets me know we're on the right path so yeah, while I am, uh, I, I see where uh, Notre Dame today announced that they're bringing all their students back in August. Every mm-hmm. single SEC school, everyone knows I'm a Missouri grad. We've we vote, Our board of curators voted to bring all the students back in August. So did every SEC school. So we're turning the corner. I think we're going in the right direction. Everything I have personally heard from uh, – from where I am and my, you know, I, I, I may be furloughed, but I hope the Florida unemployment office isn't listening to this. I still go into the office every day because <laughs> uh, I just can't uh, sit at home. You know, there's only yeah. so much of a honey do list you can do, yeah. but everything I am hearing is we're going to be back to fans and sports uh, around the 1st of July. That's kind of what I'm hearing. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad you, you brought that up because, Texas today said that uh, on or after May 31st, uh, professional sports can resume in Texas without fans. Now, obviously, we have an NBA team here. We have a Major League Baseball team um, in Dallas. We have the same thing in Houston. And um, we have an NBA team in San Antonio. But I, I don't – we're coming back June 1st end of May, June 1st, without fans. I'm not sure if, 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 let's just say hypothetically that month goes well, we start to do see fans coming in at some point around um, the 1st of July. What an amazing thing it would be to have fans at a baseball game. I'm not even a big baseball fan, but to have fans at a baseball game July 4th weekend sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Now, if you're not coming back until August, and I, I know this may be fluid or some sort of thing, you still um, – I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you, you handle high-end – more towards the high-end corporate um, uh, ticket packages. Would that be accurate? It is, and you know now. But we also do just individual tickets to games, concerts. Mm-hmm. You know, if I've got people to call me up and say, "Hey, I need four tickets to Steelers Ravens," you know, I'll, I'll hook them up. But yeah, our yeah. the core of our business is more towards the corporate side, and you know, that's the other thing is, you know, you've got uh, corporation X Y Z that has a moratorium on travel for their yeah. own employees. And it has nothing to do with sports. It doesn't matter. You know, we're not yeah. going to let you go out to see Dan Hudson Incorporated to sell you yeah. our water because yeah. we just don't want you on a plane. So yeah. um, there's more to it than that. But I think what you're seeing is thing, as as you see more and more states reopen, you just saw with Texas today what they're thinking. Um, New York, and, and God love all the people of New York, what they've been through and mm-hmm. has been the center of the coronavirus. Governor Cuomo said today we want all of the sports teams back and playing by by the end of May. 
they did just announce, the USGA just announced that the U.S. Open Golf Championship, which is at Wakefoot, which is on uh, the, the island of Long Island, yep. um, would be played with limited fans. But they said, we'll check and see where we are in June. So everything is, you know, I, I, I tell everyone, I, I tell my own wife and son, things are changing by the hour, by the day, yeah. by the week. So I think we're we're moving in the right direction. And uh, California, Governor Nunez of California said just last week, we may <laughs> not see organized sports in this state until 2021. Yeah. Well, you know what he said today? Sports are going to be back in this state without fans at the end of May. Yeah. So we've just got to take it all with a grain of salt. You've got to take it all with a grain of salt. fact of the matter is when when governors are, and people say things like that, I, I don't want to say that – I mean, the California governor um, is a – California is a land of, a, of the weirdos. Uh, they, it seems like they <laughs> never get anything right. Uh, they struggle often in their politics and, and, and that sort of thing. But there, it, when I heard that he was going to shelter in place or whatever for another three months uh, in L.A. County and, and no sports, I was like, Jesus, uh, what, what is going on over there? And then all of a sudden we, we come back to here. Now, I, if it was anybody else, I'd say probably some new information came up. My guess is uh, in California they, they overreacted. Um, to take care of some some liberal people out there, that sort of thing. Didn't look at it and goes, if we don't start getting something in here, we're absolute. They're going to build. America's going to build a fence around us and and cause a different country. Well, and I'll tell you, Dan. Uh, I I think, and not to get overly political, I think that a lot of these governors, no matter if you're liberal, Republican, independent, whatever, they're seeing that. Americans as a whole, no matter what state you're in, people want to work. Yeah. You know, you, you there, it's amazing how many people realized all of a sudden, gosh, I hate my job, but hey, I'd really like to go to work. Um, yeah. And yeah. I think they realized that, you know what, we may want to play politics with this, but they're seeing that, you know, the our our mindset as human beings, not just Americans, I think you're seeing it around the world, people want to work. They want to be productive. They want to have their lives. And I think they quickly realized that, you know, this political game that we're trying to play is getting offset by the fact that our constituents are saying, nah, no, it's time to, and, and, and you know, Dan, it, it, it's a numbers game. And yes, we have 1.5 million confirmed cases of the coronavirus in this country. And we've had 90,000 deaths and that's horrifying. Yeah. But no one talks about the fact that we've had 287,000 people recovered from the disease yeah yeah you know that's that's three times as many who have passed away in a country of three 328 million people this has been horrifying it's been horrifying but it's not as horrifying as the number of people we're losing to suicides and to unemployment and and all the other things heart yeah uh, alcoholism as i you know take a slug of my bourbon Uh, (laughs) but you know it's there there's got to be a way to approach this we saw you know one of the things that they talked about today was the market jumped up over a thousand points because now there's three more major pharmaceutical companies that are on the edge of a vaccine we're going to get ahead of this countries Mm -hmm. or counties states everyone is going to reopen and, and and that dovetails into the to the first part of your question in a long-winded way. Where are 
we going with this? I think we're going to be by I think July 4th, that first week of July, it, it's it's going to be a, a different kind of Independence Day. I think we're going to see a, a real opening of this country, and and sports uh, is going to be a huge part of it. Well, it, let, let's stay political here for just a minute. Um, I personally believe that I, I wasn't. My wife and I differ on this, by the way. For anybody who um, thinks my wife and I think alike, that would be couldn't be farther from the from the damn truth. But <laughs> they I, I must believe, not be married. <laughs> yeah, I, I firmly believe that having a shelter in place was absolutely the right thing. We can't trust other countries and their reporting on what's happening and all that sort of thing. We don't have technology they have. Supposedly, we're all supposed to be on the same page for. WHO purposes and, and that sort of thing. But the fact of the matter is, uh, this is a pandemic that has killed uh, many people. We don't know how it spread. We're very ignorant, so I'm okay with how we got to here. I'm also okay with moving forward and uh, with a planned step to try to get us to uh, uh, opening up safely as possible. Now, I went out to one of my favorite restaurants on Saturday for the first time. First time I've eaten out since um, sometime in sometime in. Uh, probably late March, first time I was out someplace, I I was not comfortable, but I wasn't comfortable because of me. I was not comfortable because they they, they did not seem like they were wiping things down and that sort of thing like I'd seen on TV at at, at other places. So it's one of those, I'm glad I went out. I'm glad I I patronized my place, uh, my favorite um, place. I got I mean, I got oysters. I got um, a redfish uh, on the half shell. I mean, I just I had an ama- a gumb- I had amazing seafood uh, dinner. It was fantastic. But I wasn't. I, I, the, we still have to be vigilant on how we move forward, and I think we're going to do that. But I think, Mark, one of the biggest problems America has—not just America, but the world—the biggest problem America has is we can't go two fucking months without a paycheck. Um, yeah. we, we basically is effective, you know, eight to 10 weeks is, is 10 weeks at the most is when people have been started laying off and, and we're absolutely, the market is an absolutely upheaval. And I, as everybody knows who listens to this, I am not a socialist. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I'm smack dab in the middle. If I had to choose a party, which I did have to choose, I chose libertarian. I believe that there should be small federal government, big, uh, the bigger government should be the local governments. And by big, I don't mean, you know, they should be, uh, you know, massive or anything, but they should be able to uh, control how we move out. What's happening in New York City is certainly not what's happening out in Muleshoe, Texas. So Muleshoe, Texas doesn't need to follow New York City guidelines necessarily. But that, that was standing, Mark, we can't go 10 weeks in this country without a fucking paycheck. And that's, that, that's not a slam on, on anybody because I'm the same way. I can't go three months without a fucking paycheck. The fact of the matter is we got to get better at that as a society, and, and we got we got to quit living paycheck to paycheck. And you talk about debt. We, a lot, Americans love to get into debt. Americans love to get into, into credit cards, and, and we'll pay for it. I want it now. We'll pay for it later. Mark, as you go back and you go back to work and – things are lifted and people can fly now and that sort of thing. Do you think the, the attending live sports events will come back? Do you think it's going to take a long time to get there? Do you think it's never going to get back? How, how, how can you predict the future knowing how people's finances are right now and, and what we're dealing with? And you know, what are your thoughts on all that? 
Well, I I, I think um, it's threefold, Dan. I think, um, one, I think this is going to be a great lesson to many people, my own home included. You quickly realize how much money you blow on going out to eat, not uh, unnecessarily, just because it's easy. Um, And you learn to budget better. Um, I think, two, um, of all the great things, and we need to do it for people because uh, we've made this decision to shut down in a lot of ways, but I think it's going to come back to us that – you know, there, there, there's got to be a bill for this eventually that comes due mm-hmm. to the government. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as much money as we hand out to folks, eventually that bill's going to come due. Um, and, and I think it'll be interesting how that bill comes due, and that, that might be a different thing to broach here in a few minutes. Um, but I think no one can really know moving forward. You know, we all want to project moving forward based on the past. But our past does not have any bearing on what this present has given us and what our future is going to be. I think the uh, moving forward, there's going to be – there's a thing. It's a very interesting thing in in business called revenge buying where people come out of a spending freeze, which happened – a great example is right after the Arthur Anderson and Enron scandals. uh, People came out of the chute saying, you know what, we're going to get out there, we're going to entertain clients, and we're going to go crazy, and we're going to spend money, because we've got, we, everybody had an eye on us for two years, and as soon yeah. as they took, as soon as uh, the CFO took the eye off of them, hey, you know what, now it's time to get spending like drunken sailors again. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, and I mentioned this weeks ago, there's it's going to be, uh, there's going to be a huge group of people that are like, the second you lift that starting gate, it's going to be like a wild horse at the Kentucky Derby. It's going to just run, and yeah. it's going to run, and it's going to run, it's going to run. And then there's going to be that second horse that's going to test to see how it feels. How does it feel back out there running? Does it feel good to run? Is it safe to run? Is that muddy, uh, is that muddy turf uh, good to run on? Yeah. So it's, uh, that, that comfort level is going to be a big decider of it. There's also, and I should say threefold, um, corporate America has taken a huge hit in this. And what's the first thing that goes in corporate America? The yeah. fun money. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, people are going to be like, all right, let's get our folks back on the road selling our product. They're not going to be saying, let's get our folks back on the road and hanging out at the Masters having a bourbon with Mark Scott. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I think corporate-wise is going to be one thing. As Americans, Dan, Sports is so integral in our lives, and and, and the NASCAR ratings showed that this weekend. The moment people can go back out to see, even if it's U.K. football versus South Carolina, you can't tell me that Commonwealth Stadium or Kroger Stadium, whatever it's called, isn't going to be packed to the gills. Um, You can't tell me that that, Alabama LSU, if they can sell it out for 101000 it's it going to be. be sold out because yeah. there's going to be enough people that are going to say, you know what, I want my sports back. Um, so I, you know, I think we're we're just going to have to again. I, I keep going back to it. It's a day by day, hour by hour, event by event. 
who knows when they finally say, uh, you know, let's say we get through these first 11 NASCAR events, and then they say, boom, we're going to sell yeah. a ticket for every darn seat. Yeah. Well, if you have 100,000 seats, mm-hmm. is 40,000 good? Is 60,000 yeah. good? Is a sellout expected? Um, yeah. We just don't know. We just yeah. don't know. Well, I can tell you, I've, as most people know, I build athletic fields. My biggest clients are schools. Um, in fact, they're, uh, 95% of my clients are, are schools. I've talked to three different superintendents slash athletic directors in the last week, and I asked them all, are we going back to school in the fall? And every one of them, within the first few seconds of answering, mentioned UIL. Mark, I don't expect you to know what UIL is, but do you know what UIL stands for in Texas? I have no idea. <laughs> UIL, and everybody in Texas knows exactly what it is. It is, stands for the University Interscholastic League. That is the nonprofit organization that organizes and supervises competitions statewide and regional levels throughout the state of Texas. Every band member, every track member, every basketball, football, every extracurricular activity I didn't say that right, but every one of those activities in Texas is mandated and overseen by the UIL, and they absolutely are going to govern how we're going back to school. Make no mistake about it, because you are not going to miss Friday Night Lights in in Texas in 2020. It's just not going to happen. There will be high school football in Texas in 2020. There will be some sort, I would imagine, uh, between Florida and California, Texas, Florida, and California <laughs> produce more football athletes than anybody in the country. If you throw Ohio in there, it's not even close. No, You can add up everybody else and it wouldn't come there. People are saying in Texas, we're going back to school. We don't know how. We're definitely bringing little kids back to school. We don't necessarily need to bring the middle school or the high schoolers, but the UIL is going to tell us how we're going to compete, and that's probably how we're going to do things. I got some, uh, I got some other – just a few more quick questions before we get out of here, and I appreciate your time, Mark. Thanks for um, for helping us educate us and talk about the business side and dynamics of of just, not just NASCAR and sports in, in general, but China. Let's say we find out that China um, hid information. Like there was a leak in Wuhan. I, I make this is a scenario, Mark. It's just a it's a what if, what for. But let's say. It does come out that China did, in fact, have a leak out there. They hid it, and then they they lied about how dangerous it is and that sort of thing. And let's say, for instance, that we find out definitively that while the rest of the world was uh, ignorant to the pandemic, China was out buying up all the supplies the rest of the world might need or that sort of thing. If it comes down to China absolutely 100% beyond a shadow of a doubt, uh, knew what was happening and acted irresponsibly, do you believe that the United States or anybody else in the world should go after them for some sort of uh, economic sanctions? What do you got, Mark Scott? Well, I I think that's exactly what it will be. It will be economic because you look at the G7 nations versus another nuclear power. uh, (laughs) The the only other than an economic response, the, the only other response is uh yeah complete annihilation of the world yeah so the the response will be fiscal and you the the biggest thing to look at is the the largest owner of united states debt in the world is china china which is which is which
which is terrifying and is 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 a big and mistake long yeah. before Trump, Obama, Bush, ever you know, yeah. that that goes back yeah. a long time. Now, yeah. the other largest fiscal owner that could affect the United States is treasury bonds. China owns $1.8 trillion in treasury bonds from the United States. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I don't, I, I, I hate to do this, Dan, because, you know, a lot of people are going to listen to this and say, oh, well, you didn't name names, you know, oh, it could just be, uh, well, I have a very good friend of mine, clients of mine, I'll just say it's mm-hmm. a client of mine whose husband works for part of the federal government, and he has told her, and she has told me, that the G7 and the way we're going to go about this, and they're taking their time, they're proving their point, and and I think the more you really read, and I encourage everyone to read, don't just go off Twitter or Facebook, <laughs> really investigate. Everything points to this virus was created in a lab, Leaked accidentally. I don't think China leaked it on purpose. I don't yeah. think they would do that because it killed so many of their own people. Yeah. But they did cover it up that we, as as all the organized nations of the world, are going to go to China and say, here's the way you're going to to get some retribution. You're going to forgive the debt that you own. You're going to give back those treasury bonds. And that's going to be trillions, yeah. trillions of dollars which hopefully will will offset a lot of what we're doing financially right now to save our own people. And quite honestly, that that makes a heck of a lot more sense than shooting a bunch of nuclear damn missiles that are going to be in mutual assured destruction, if people know that term. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that, that's the way we're, I think we're going to go about it. And, and I really, Dan, I really encourage people to really look into – where this virus came from, where we're moving forward. You and I have discussed many times, and I've said it before, I'm not a huge Trump fan. The guy steps in shit as much as he throws shit, but he does know finance. And if he can save us out of this financially by doing the right thing, yeah. well, uh, I'm all for it because um, that that's where I think we are. I, I think you look at where our, our debt is owned by China – the treasury bonds thing is something I, I highly encourage people to look into. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if we could get that amount of money forgiven and given back to this country, yeah. th- we'll, we'll, we'll save ourselves a, a lot of, uh, a lot of headaches in the long term. And, and I think that's the way it's going to go. And uh, I, I know a lot of people, and this is a kind of a, again, a roundabout answer, there was at one point, uh, I don't know, last year or a year and a half ago, when Trump said, we're going to quit throwing money into NATO because we're tired of yeah. paying the 98% share when all the rest of the, all these other NATO countries. And everybody said, oh, that's it. We're going to end up in a world war. You know, everybody's going to yeah. turn against us. Well, look what happened. NATO yeah. started throwing more money in, all the other countries. Well, the yep. same with the World Health Organization. Yeah. It's you know, when when people said Trump's cutting off money to the World Health Organization in the middle of a pandemic, hell, the pandemic had already started. The yeah. World Health Organization had already shit the bed on that part. Yeah. My yeah. yeah. So I think this is going to be 
something that is going to as horror again is ninety thousand plus deaths is horrifying. But if we can get the World Health Organization and other countries to step up and do what they're supposed to do, and if we can hold China's feet to the fire, I think we're going to come out better for this, uh, despite all the horror of, of the deaths. But again, 90,000-plus deaths, we have 287,000 people who've recovered. You never hear the amount of people who've recovered. Yeah. You know, you and I again, Dan, now we're going back three, four years. Media wants to push the negative because that's what sells. Yeah. Find the positive, folks, because that's what's going to make you feel better as well, which is a big part of getting through all of this pandemic and being alone by yourself. And, uh, Mark, great words, fantastic um, outlook. Uh, I echo Mark's sentiment. If you don't know about the Treasury bond debacle that we have gotten ourselves into after decades and decades, in decades of, um, of of basically taking loans from China, uh, you you certainly need to read up on it. I am 100% for holding whomever's feet. If, if listen, accidents happen. I get it. Uh, Three Mile Island happened here in the United States. We're all worried about that and that sort of thing. And uh, but fact of the matter is, if if China acted irresponsibly, hoarded supplies while. Um, um, putting out propaganda and stuff and said, oh, it's not that bad. It's no big deal. Uh, it started in a, a, a meat market or whatever the case is. Absolutely have to be taken to task because the fact of the matter is um, we, we can't afford anything else like this. And, and 90,000 people is terrible. In the grand scheme, excuse me, in the grand scheme of things, um, all we're doing here as we do this is just figure out how many, how many people we're okay with dying before we um, we go back to work, we go back to school. I mean, there's still today in Texas as we record this in uh, Monday, there was six deaths uh, today reported, which is down from what we've had, and we've shown um, considerably less cases and deaths in the last uh, three weeks. We're trending in the right direction. People are still dying from it. People are going to continue dying from it until we can get it until it turns out to be something like polio or, you know, we get a vaccine that absolutely takes care of it, we got to get to the heart of the matter. we got to hit um, whomever is responsible for this, if, in fact, it's proven that they are, so that something like this never happens again. In fact, the matter is, folks, if you're like me and you can't go three months without a paycheck, because all things, uh, change your damn life now. <laughs> don't don't wait till the next time this thing happens. This is a good warning for everybody. It, it doesn't have to be this bad. Um, go support your restaurants, support your teams, do that sort of thing. But let's be smart about it. Let's move forward in a positive light because fact of the matter is, if you choose to look at the negative, that's all you're going to see. Mark, I echo your thing. Look at the positives because there's absolutely more positives and negatives that are happening as we talk right now. And I think we've got nothing but a bright future ahead of us. And, Mark, I, hell, I'm glad you – listen, I can make – this podcast is already 40-some um, minutes long. I only wanted I, – I, I told you I'd only keep you 20 minutes from, from your bourbon, <laughs> uh, and I'll double that. But um, I, I appreciate you being on. Thank you much. We will definitely have you on here um, uh, towards the end of June when we see how this first wave of of, of fans go. And in the meantime, uh, look, we're going to do an absolute special podcast on the media, uh, uh, Russia, um, the bias, and that sort of thing. And I got to get well re- more, a little bit more red on on um, on some other factions here before I do that. But 
Man, thanks again. Anything uh, anything here at the end you'd like to say for the good of the community or as, uh, as a parting shot as we leave, bud? Well, you know, Dan, I'll just say this. Uh, it's uh, it's always an honor to be on here. I'll say uh, two two things to close it out. Uh, when when Kevin won, he passed Tony Stewart, and he's mm. now twelfth on the all time list. So passing Tony, I thought was an, uh, wow. uh, an interesting way because now he's uh, you know driving for Tony. But yep. you know, the other thing is, I do I just encourage people to go out and read for yourself. Get off Twitter, get off Facebook, investigate yourself. You know, hell, Dan, I know you and I have eat, eaten squirrel and rabbit and all kinds of stuff. And, and the, to, to, to just blindly blame the Chinese for eating a bat, which they've yeah. been eating weird stuff over there for years. We all eat weird stuff. Yeah. Get out there and, and read and investigate and really look into the truth of what's out there, folks, because um, – it's important for you. It's for your own mindset, and it'll make you feel better versus uh, the 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 BS that we get fed every day. But I appreciate everybody, and I just hope everybody stays self safe and healthy, and 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 God bless them all. God bless you, Mark Scott. God bless America. Let's go racing on uh, on Wednesday night and again this weekend. What do you say, bud? I say Dale. Yeah. Dale. Yeah. <laughs> With all this craziness going on in the world right now, we appreciate you spending a little time with us. Before you leave, take a minute and check out this new song by Guy L. Boom and Alex Hobbs. Here's End of the World. Yeah. I'm turning off my TV. Shit's getting rough. All the service negativity. I think I had enough. I got my own demons. That I'm still dealing with And if you still wanna be here I gotta make one thing clear Don't just say you love me Show me You say that you're with me Then prove me I'm really trying to find my fears But it's getting scary out here I don't wanna be alone Tonight Baby, hold me tight Tonight Oh Come on, baby, make love to me Like it's the end of the world Love me like the world is ending. Love me like the world is ending. Are you gonna 
Falling, so come on, baby, make love to me. Like it's the end of the